on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Greg Matzik. Hey, what's up, everybody? Here we go. It's the trade deadline edition of Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Greg Matzik with you until 9 o'clock tonight. we got a lot of ground to cover, and I hope you join in on the fun with me. We'd love to take your thoughts at 855-616-1620. I will start with this. If you've been listening to Brewers Extra Innings on shows that I've hosted over the last couple of weeks, or you've heard me on Brewers Extra Innings, maybe on the afternoon show or this program, Brewers Weekly, you will know why I'm a little irritated today. Can you put your thumb on it? Do you know where I'm going with this? Do you know I'm just a little bit irritated today? In fact, it started yesterday. My level of irritation started to grow, and then by today everything seemed finalized, and yes, I am an irritated man. I am an irritated Brewers fan one week from the trade deadline after the Brewers completed one of the more entertaining home series of the entire season with a thrilling win over the Minnesota Twins. We'll get into that in a moment. Why am I irritated today? For those, you have to have been listening closely to understand why I am irritated today. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join. I will not spoil the party too soon here in the program. Uh, We'll give you a few minutes to stew on it. You can chime in. You can take a wild stab at it. Why am I irritated today? One week from the trade deadline, and who knows what is going on in David Stern's laboratory. I do know this. He is not in Boston with the Brewers. No, he is staying back. He is in Milwaukee, along with GM Matt Arnold, the rest of the Brewers' front office, the rest of the scouts, everybody who's got their hands on the clay pot here trying to figure out the best course of action to fortify the roster for the stretch run. 855-616-1620. Why am I irritated? And is there an area of concern you want to see addressed here at the trade deadline? A lot of trade deadline talk here on the program tonight. Uh, If you've got a name, great. We'll take a name. But if you have more of a position or a group or a spot in the lineup, a position group, maybe we can help apply a name to your thoughts. We'll do our best. I promise you that here on Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Find me on Twitter at gmatzik, 855-616-1620. So the trade deadline is the thing right now of discussion in Major League Baseball. And when you start talking about the trade deadline and the lead-up to the trade deadline, the first thing you have to do is separate contenders from pretenders. And it's a pretty simple exercise, right? Oftentimes, the standings tell the story. Not all of the time, but oftentimes. And if you watched what happened at Wrigley Field about a week ago, a little less than a week ago, uh, it was a pretty emotional scene as Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ played what could be their final game for the Cubs at Wrigley Field. They received standing ovations each time they came to the plate. They were in tears as they embraced each other in the dugout following that Cubs win. And now they're in the middle of a pretty long road trip. By the time the Cubs return back to Chicago, the trade deadline will have come and gone. So the Cubs, at 40 and 57, fall into the category of pretender. In fact, they're not even pretending. They're just not in it. And they expected that to be the case, I think, when the year started. So the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds, been nice knowing you. They are all in sell mode. The Rockies, just in Milwaukee, are in sell mode. So are the Arizona Diamondbacks, and that's five teams in the National League. Let's add the Washington Nationals, number six. Let's add the Miami Marlins, team number seven. So about half of the National League is in pretender mode or sell mode. In the American League, well, you've got the Oakland A's, that's a mess. The Angels are a mess. 
Mike Trout's forever played by injury. Poor Shohei Otani is stuck in no man's land as a brilliant player. The Rangers are also out of it, 20 games out of first place, as the Astros are running away with things. So three teams out of the AL West. So now we're up to 10, 10 total teams. The Royals are selling. They've already started to sell. That's number 11. Tigers, a mess. That's team number 12. The Boston Red Sox are one game below 500, but 17 games behind the Yankees for a division title. Now, because they're around 500, this becomes sort of an interesting exercise. You've got the Blue Jays, Rays, and Orioles all ahead of Boston right now. But the way the wild card system works, Boston at 49 and 50, dead last in the AL East. It is only a half game back of the White Sox as a 500 team. They're only a couple of games back of the Guardians from the AL Central at 50 and 47. They're just a game and a half out of first place in that division. So if you're hovering around 500 in the American League, you're maybe hitting the pause button right now, and it might be fool's gold, but that what you, that's what you're looking at. So I got you know, 10, 11 teams, roughly, maybe 12, that I would say are probably in sell mode. We have separated contenders from pretenders. What does that tell you? There are more teams looking for help than there will be teams trying to sell. There's a couple fringe teams, and there always are, and they've got a decision to make. Do we really have it? Can we swing a deal and, and make a push and be a wild card team? Or do we say, mm, nope, not our time, and maybe sell off somebody on an expiring contract and acquire more prospects and build for the future? So there's a few teams sort of stuck in that no-man's land. Yeah, it's a terrible spot to be. Terrible. If you're right around 500 right now, you have not separated yourself as a true contender. You're sort of, you know, toting the line of contender versus pretender, and it's a terrible situation to be in. But the Brewers are contenders. And the way I see it, more teams are in the mix to acquire then there are teams that will sell. It's a law of supply and demand, right? Makes things complicated come trade deadline time. All right, coming up on the other side, have you had a chance to stew on it? Have you had a chance to think, why am I irritated today? What has me all <clears throat> hopped up, frustrated? I'll explain. Brewers Weekly continues after this on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Irritated today. You have any idea why? You probably will have had to been listening pretty closely to the programs I've hosted over the last couple of weeks to really know. 855 616 1620. Jim's got an idea. He's on the road. Jim, you're on Brewers Weekly. Yeah, hi. I'm actually in my office, uh, but I'm away from home. But uh, yeah, um, I knew it right away uh, because uh, I was irritated too. And uh, I thought about, and also I know you've been talking about for a while now how he uh, would look good in a Brewers uniform. Andrew Benatendi is gone. Jim, Benatendi this has got me crushed. The, yes, the it, Yankee. Yeah. It, 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 the That's only thing worse, about. Jim, is if he would have gone to the Cardinals, right? I mean, I, at least he didn't go to the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. But this I'm was a gut punch. Of course, yeah, that would have been worse. That would have hurt us more for sure. But it's just irritating when it's the Yankees. It, it, it's always irritating when it's the Yankees, Jim, right? I mean, this was a gut punch today or yesterday. Yeah, it's like they needed it. You know, like they really needed it. Like, like, yeah. Jim, gold star for you. Thanks for the phone call. I appreciate it. I hope you're not working too late. Andrew Benatendi is gone. He is off the market. Acquired by the New York Yankees in exchange for three prospects who I'd never heard of. I'll check and see later where they ranked on the Royals prospect list. 
or the Yankees prospect list. But Andrew Benatendi is off the market. Andrew Benatendi would have looked great in Brewers Blue. Like, he was pie in the sky. He was the guy. He was attainable. He would have cost you prospects. He is not long-term control guy, right? I mean, his salary and contract expires at the end of the year, and that's the one thing you look at and say, ah, it'd be great to hang on to that kind of talent if you're going to give up prospects. But that has not stopped David Stearns in years past. Yeah, that's sort of an ideal situation, but it also ups the asking price uh, in many respects. This was the guy I had hoped would be in the Brewers' sights and they could swing a deal for. Andrew Benatendi. Brewers have dealt with the, Red, uh, the Royals before. Benatendi's hitting 320. He is an all-star. He is a versatile outfielder. He's a solid outfielder. He is a plug-and-play. Put him in the number two spot on your lineup and let him rip. He's a doubles guy. He's an on-base guy. He's not a home-run guy, but I don't think the Brewers need that specifically. They need someone who can patrol the outfield. Man, it's been fun watching Jonathan Davis, right? Jonathan Davis isn't winning postseason games. It's been interesting with Tyrone Taylor, and he can give you some pop, and he's had his moments, but he is still a bottom half of the lineup hitter on most nights in Craig Council's lineup. Hunter Renfro, you got to keep him in. Christian Yelich, you got to keep him in. Andrew McCutcheon has been just fine as a designated hitter. If he's got to play center, okay, he plays center. But you have, with Benatendi, or would have had, extreme flexibility. Well, what do you do with Yelich then? Where do you move Yelich? Hey, fine, move him to center. Whatever. You remember when the Brewers slid Travis Shaw over to second base when they traded for Mike Moustakis? They don't need Mike Moustakis. Are you crazy? What are they going to do with Travis Shaw? Well, hey, move him to second base. Keep that bat in the lineup. That worked out pretty well, I think, overall for the Milwaukee Brewers. And Moose stayed around for another year because the free agent market was just sort of out of whack. It, it worked out in the Brewers' favor. The market was strange that offseason. Moustakis thought the system was broken. That worked into the Brewers' favor. Andrew Benatendi is gone for three prospects to the New York Yankees. That, that has me irritated today. A 320 hitter, not a home runs guy. He is a hit collector. He gets on base. Forget about the slugging percentage. He gets on base. Doubles guy, singles guy, can run, and a great outfielder. The rich get richer. Andrew Benatendi is gone. And I'm over here in tears, unfortunately. But David Stearns has hinted at who he might have eyes for on the trade market. Did you hear his interview this morning on Wisconsin's Morning News? Did David Stearns spill the beans to Vince Vetrano, Eric Bilstad, and Brian D? Did you hear this? He may have spilled the beans a little bit. The very tight-lipped, close to the vest president of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers, may have tipped his hand. And boy, would that be nice. You'll hear it after this. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. So when was the last time David Stern struck a deal that just didn't work out? Give it some thought here. See if we can come up with a name or a couple of names. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. David Stearns, Matt Arnold, they're going to make a move. Uh, They're probably going to make a couple of moves. And we'll get into some names and some thoughts coming up a little later. Uh, But I also want to go through this list. I've compiled a list. Let's see, it's four years' worth of trade deadline deals swung by the Milwaukee Brewers. How many have flopped? How many just flat out did not work out for the Brewers? Who did they give up? Where are some of the players the Brewers have given up in trade deadline deals in years past. What's the asking price for those on the market 
right now and available potentially to the Brewers via trade. It's all interesting stuff to get through. Uh, we'll go through a little exercise coming up in just a few moments. David Stearns was on the morning show this morning. He joined Vince Vetrano and Eric Bilstead and Brian D. like he does every Thursday. Um, I, and typically David Stearns plays along. With whatever you got cooked up, he's going to play along. He's just a fascinating guy to talk to. Obviously a, a brilliant baseball mind, brilliant mind in general, humble, down-to-earth father. I, I just I think the world of David Stearns. So he was on today, and they had a little fun with him, uh, the morning show did, trying to see if they would, you know, David would tip his hand. What direction are you leaning here? Will you spill the beans a little bit? Brewers President of Baseball Operations, David Stearns, is our guest on Brewers 360, sponsored by All Right Home and Remodeling. All right, Captain Stearns, thanks for being with us just days ahead of the trade deadline. We have legitimate questions to ask you, and we know you're not going to give us your list of guys and list of teams and things like that. So, But we want, we want to gain some insight into your process here. So yeah. we've, we've developed a system here that we think we'll be revealing for our fans. So I want to ask you a series of very simple questions. I need the answers to those questions. They are non-baseball specific, but we Perfect. think this is going to help us understand, Okay. Maybe this will help my process as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We are here to help. We're fans of the Brewers. Okay. Let's do it. Question number one. This man was the first president of the United States. Okay, Washington. Correct. Nailed it. Good, good. All right. Uh, Some team here that might be playing in sports. You have your regionals. You have your sectionals. You go to state. And if you win there, you go on to... Nationals. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Harry Potter and various other wizards use this tool for casting spells. Lost. No, no, no chance. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a magic. It's like a stick. Wand. Yes. Yes. Okay, very, good. Good. very good. And some folks call it pop, but around here we usually call it. This is a beverage. Soda? Yes. Soda. I'm sorry. Yeah. Say it again. Soda? Yeah, that yeah is, very good. Nice. All, okay. right. All, well, right. All right. Listen, in a moment, we're going to have Greg Pancake Hill, our producer here, put that through our machine. We'll dissect those. Yeah. See, if, yeah, yeah. see if that helps us gain yeah. any well, knowledge. It, into it, in the interim, David, while uh, while Greg does some magic with his, with his wands back there, uh, you guys are, are scorching hot of the break here. Offensively, you've won five out of six. Rowdy goes deep twice yesterday. Luis Urias is coming on. How do you balance... Where you are now with big picture needs over the course of the season, because they, we've talked to you about it. Like a, a bat is a potential need for this team. Trade deadlines Tuesday. How do you balance the short term with the long term? Well, that's 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 the magic in all of this is recognizing that um, we want to do what we can to to improve our team while also ensuring that we remain competitive for as long as we possibly can. Um, so every deal we look at is. Um, is a uh, is a balance of what it's going to do to our present team and then and what it does to next year and the years after. So there's no magic formula to that. Although I think the the output of the uh, of the machine that's being run right now um, would is, is going to yield an answer um, <laughs> that uh, uh, that that certainly would improve any team right now. Machine's um, working. I'm sure the machine's working. The uh, but the the reality is there's no there's no magic formula to this. Um, you know we do our best to to make judgment calls as to what 
what's going to impact our team now and, and, and how to remain competitive for as long as we possibly can. Well, before that trade deadline, David, you guys got another series in Boston. That's such a special ballpark, Fenway. When was the last time you were there specifically? I can't remember recently the Brewers making a trip out to Boston. Yeah, I, I have not been there with the Brewers um, in some of my previous stops with other teams. I um, I, uh, I went there, and it, it's, it's a great ballpark. I will not be there this weekend. I'm going to be um, here in Milwaukee working on the deadline, but uh, it's a great ballpark. Our players will enjoy playing there. Um, it's a very intimate setting where fans are right on top of you, so uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll enjoy it, and hopefully we can uh, play well and get a couple wins. Uh, David, we certainly appreciate your candor always with us here on, on the morning show, and you, you've given us the answers to the best of your ability. We've got, gotten honest insight from you, but just... I, I guess you can correct us if I'm wrong here, but uh, I think our machine has gleaned an insight into the top player on your list here as we approach the trade deadline. And Washington. I think I heard you say Washington. this is the guy that you are looking for. Washington. Nationals. Wash. Soda. There it is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm surprised you just well came done. right out and said it, man. I mean, that's... Well, well done. You got it out of me. <laughs> we, we extracted it from him this That's morning. Right, the tough nut to crack. That starts. Pretty good stuff. Credit where credit is due. That was entertaining. Well done with the uh, the morning show crew and David Stearns this morning. Uh, check out the interview on the podcast page at WTMJ.com. I don't believe Juan Soto is coming to the Milwaukee Brewers, but I do believe multiple deals will get done for this team that is currently three games up on the Cardinals. You know St. Louis is going to make a move, right? They always do. It's always the Cardinals. The Cardinals are always there, right there with the Brewers, and they have played spoiler to the Brewers and Brewers fans over the years, if you want to go back to 1982. And there's more to speak of with how the Cardinals have disrupted the Brewers' flow. Don't let them beat you to it, right? There's somebody you want, go get it. David Stern's usually pretty good about doing that. We did mention Andrew Benintendi is off the board, and and he would have been a popular target, I think. Uh, The Yankees able to acquire him a few days ahead of the trade deadline, a week, if you want to be exact. So they're getting a jump start on things in New York. Can you think... Can you think of a deal that just flat out didn't work during David Stern's tenure with the Brewers as a competitive team as buyers? There have been a couple years where they were sellers, right? The uh, the Ron Renneke era as it morphed into Craig Council. You know, that was still part of the rebuild process and the talent acquisition standpoint, young talent, the Josh Haters of the world, Adrian Hauser, and so on. But now the team is in a much different spot, and they have been for the last several years. Can you think of a deal? A player that just flat out didn't work. We'll get to it after this. 855-616-1620. Brewers Weekly continues after this on WTMJ. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Have you had enough time to think about the deal David Stearns swung that didn't work? Well, who's on that list? Who flat out just did not work when acquired by the Milwaukee Brewers since they have been competitive under David Stern's watch? 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I I will say this. It's not going to be a very long list. I think, by and large, David Stern's has been unbelievably productive in the moves that he has made. And it's led to some... Uh, some just outstanding performances, and really key players as the Brewers push toward being a playoff team. And, of course, there have been some times where they've gotten a little further than others, and you know some of those players played a larger role than others. 
But it, it, it hasn't been just, you know, one move made and let's, you know, wipe our hands clean. Hey, we did something uh, and call it a wash. It, it, it's really not been the M.O. for David Stearns. So I, I want to go back a little bit. We'll go back a few years here. We will look at some of the deals David Stearns made, who was sent away, who was brought in, how productive were they, and what's become of the players who were sent off. All right, we'll go through it. Now, in the meantime, be thinking now. I, who's the player that comes to your mind when I say trade that did not work involving your Milwaukee Brewers in the last five years? Is, is there anybody who pops to your mind? 855-616-1620 if you'd like to chime in. Maybe something right on the tip of your tongue. Give us a call. We'll figure it out together. Here we go. 2017. You remember 2017? Okay, the Brewers were starting to make their move. Okay? They made a few different moves. Neil Walker was acquired in exchange for Eric Hanhold. And Jeremy Jeffers was acquired in exchange for Taylor Scott. Anthony Zwarzak, another reliever, was acquired in exchange for Ryan Cordell. So here's what you need to know about the players I just mentioned. Eric Hanhold, acquired from the Mets, at a 70 ERA in 2021 at the AA level. Taylor Scott, I have no idea what made it, was made of him, but he stayed at the minor leagues. Ryan Cordell, I actually thought he was going to turn into something. He came over from the Marlins uh, as part of the trade that brought in Lewis Brinson. Uh, of course, Lewis Brinson was, was traded. Uh, in fact, I'm sorry, it was Texas. It was the Texas Rangers. Cordell, Brinson, and more was sent to the Brewers in exchange for Jonathan Lucroy. I thought Cordell was going to turn into something. He is not playing baseball at the major league level uh, as it currently stands. So three players acquired. Neil Walker, he was okay. Versatile guy, was all over the place. Jeremy Jeffers closed out some games, became a high-leverage reliever. Things didn't work for Jeremy in Texas. His comfort, his true comfort, was in Milwaukee, and he performed well. Anthony Zwarzak was a rental, but he performed well as a rental in 2017. That's one year. Three moves made. Perhaps you forgot about some of them. But they were all productive for the Brewers, and they didn't really give up much to acquire those players. Let's go to the phone, shall we? We've got Jim in Bayview joining us on the line. Jim, who are you thinking about? And did it work in your mind, or did it oh. not? Okay, well, uh, first, uh, the screener asked me about a possible trade, so I mentioned to him, I, you know, if there's that many teams that are already in the sell mode, I'd like to see the Brewers get a stud starting pitcher if it didn't cost too much. Uh, because I'm not real happy with uh, Alan Ashby, 2-8. and eight. But uh, to answer your question uh, about who didn't it work out for, I would say when we acquired the Kansas City Royal player, his last name was Shoop. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but he did not work out. You remember so him? I, yeah, so a few S- things there, Jim. I, I appreciate S- the phone C-H- call. Thanks for, uh, thanks for chiming in. Yeah, Jonathan Scope is who you're talking about. So he was acquired from the Orioles, not the Royals. Um, and I remember the move. I, I remember when they made the move, and I thought, oh, boy, here you go. Uh, this is interesting because the dude was absolutely on a tear playing for the Orioles, uh, and, and, and he loved playing in Baltimore. I remember him you know, sort of being dismayed and, and confused about – being sent to the Milwaukee Brewers, and and he never really adjusted, never really settled in. And I remember talking to David Stearns after that season, and and he admitted, well, it just didn't work out. There was an option year on his contract, if I remember correctly, and the Brewers chose not to pick that up. But Scope had a stretch in July leading up to the trade deadline 
where he was the hottest hitter in baseball. He, he had 360 in the month of July. He had nine home runs. His OPS was over 1,000. I mean, it's just insane what he was doing at the plate. And he's kind of an okay defender. You could hide him at second base, but that's not why he was brought to the Brewers. Uh, he was brought over there to hit. Uh, he could play third as well. So there was a little positional versatility there. No, Jonathan Scope did not work out, but that was 2018. Think about what happened in 2018, right? The Brewers won the division in game 163 over the Chicago Cubs. That was a road game for the Milwaukee Brewers. And they had a remarkable, torrid finish to the season to pull even with the Cubs and ultimately win the division in game 163, a game that Jonathan Scope played in, as a matter of fact. So you needed every win down the stretch, right? You lose a game in late August or early September, mid-late September, and, and that could be damaging to your cause to win the division. Every win was critical as the Brewers looked to pull even. So, no, Jonathan Scope did not work out, I think, long-term, but he did have this moment, which proved to be a critical moment for the Brewers in their quest to be division title winners. Now the pitch. Scope sends it in the air to left, deep, get out of here, and it's gone! Jonathan Scope just hit one out of here with the bases loaded to put the crew on top. What a rocket hit the facing of the second deck out there. And the Brewers have the lead. He just got scoped. 5-2 Brewers. Bob Euchre on the call. So that was September 9th, 2018. If you remember this game, it was a wild game against the San Francisco Giants. And in that sixth inning, uh, before Scope even got into the batter's box, play was halted because benches cleared. Do you remember this? Madison Bumgarner was on the mound, and he threw twice at Ryan Braun and ultimately plunked him. So Braun got put on first base. So they loaded the bases. They put Ryan Braun on first base to pitch to Jonathan Scope. And Scope had been struggling a bit at that time. And all he does is deliver a grand slam. At that time, it's Miller Park. is upside down. It's bananas. The Brewers were trailing at that time 2-1. They go on to win 5-2. That happened in the sixth inning of that game. And it was the moment for Jonathan Scope in a Brewers uniform. There weren't many. I think he overall struggled. He is maybe the name at the top of the list of trades that overall, I think you'd say, didn't work out. But he certainly had that moment in a Brewers uniform. Jonathan Scope. I would put him in that category. Overall, yeah, left a little bit to be desired. If you remember the move, Jonathan VR, Gene Carmona, and Luis Ortiz were the players sent to Baltimore. VR's kind of hung around the league a little bit, but he was falling out of favor with the Brewers. Uh, defensively, he was just kind of a mess. Uh, and he had come back to earth after being a, a leadoff hitter for much of the season. Jonathan Scope, yes, one of the names. Are there others? 855-616-1620. We'll go through the list. We'll continue to do so. Some of the other names brought to Milwaukee that didn't break the bank, but certainly proved to be effective. David Stearns has been a wizard at getting deals like this done. We'll go through some of the history here after this on Brewers Weekly. Back with more Brewers Weekly after this. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Now, just looking back through the 2018 trade deadline deals for the Milwaukee Brewers, and that was a busy month of July. All sorts of moves were made. 
and uh, we'll go through it. Jonathan Scope was one of the deals made. I mentioned uh, the Brewers gave up three players, including Jonathan VR, sent him to Baltimore in exchange for Scope, but it didn't work out overall. But he did have that one moment, a grand slam against Madison Bumgarner and the Giants uh, on a Sunday afternoon at Miller Park. But every other move made by the Brewers during that period of time, I, I think overall worked out. Gio Gonzalez was an uh, important pickup at a time where the Brewers needed some depth in their starting pitching. They needed guys to eat innings and start, and Gonzalez absolutely did that. Uh, the Brewers sent prospect K.J. Harrison and very young prospect Gilbert Lara to Washington. Uh, for those keeping score at home, Harrison is hitting two oh four at A right now, and Gilbert Lara is hitting two thirty at double a uh curtis granderson was acquired during that season and he was a nice fit good defensive outfielder a get on base kind of guy good speed incredible presence in the clubhouse an absolute joy to be around uh the brewers sent a a double a prospect demi or he was a a higher round draft pick uh, i think a third round draft pick of the brewers back in the day he was sent to toronto he is still at double a xavier sedanio Brewers acquired him as sort of a, a late-inning relief guy, more of a swing guy as a lefty. And uh, I remember thinking at the time he, it's possible he couldn't be left off of the postseason roster or one of the postseason rosters. Um, he had some good moments, but that was more of a depth pickup, try and bridge the gap, specialty situation. Joaquin Soria was acquired for Cody Medeiros and Wilbur Perez, who I don't think have amounted to much. Soria was an important piece, expiring contract, but he was part of a group Corey Knabel came back strong after going to the minor leagues that year. Jeremy Jeffress, Soria, Hader. I mean, the Brewers were loaded. It was more about the relief pitching than it was the starting pitching at that point. And if you got to the sixth inning against the Brewers' bullpen, good luck. Uh, You were not going to win that ball game. And then, of course, Mike Moustakis. So he was acquired for Brett Phillips and Jorge Lopez. So all of the prospects I mentioned... uh, Lara middling along at double A. KJ Harrison, same thing. He's hitting 200 at double A. Jonathan VR, fine. I think the Brewers are ready to part ways with him. Brett Phillips is such a fun and engaging player. He's on the raise, but he's really not doing much. More of a defensive player than anything. The one name that jumps off the page is Jorge Lopez, who is now with Baltimore uh, and is an all star and become one of the best closers in the game. The Brewers had him very young. Remember, he ate up some innings for. Craig Council, during the part, uh, portion of that season, 2018, sort of exploded on the scene. Yeah, I, he had potential. And to get a player like Mike Moustakis, he had to part ways with a talent like Jorge Lopez. But of all the players the Brewers have dealt since David Stearns took over, I, it, it's Lopez. I mean, that's the one name out of all the players they've dealt. I mean, there's dozens here. Cooper Hummel, Bowden Francis, Reese Olsen, names that you've probably never heard of and you might never hear of at the major league level, there were deals done to acquire players to help this team move closer to being a playoff team, winning a division title, and ultimately reaching a World Series. So more quality moves made than not, I think. Uh, Even last year, Eduardo Escobar, Willie Adamas was acquired in May. Daniel Norris is the one player I think that did not work out out of that recent group. Uh, And then the player you probably forget about, is Rowdy Telez. All of a sudden, he's got 20 homers. He's on a home run tear. He's your starting everyday first baseman. The Brewers got Telez July 6th after Daniel Vogelback suffered a, a hamstring injury. So I, it, it's moves have worked out. It, not always at the deadline, but leading up to the deadline. David Stern says, you know, made some moves that have counted here. Uh, Willie Adamas was 
I proved out to be a genius pickup. At the time, you're scratching your head saying, what are they doing here? Barely hitting 200, and you gave two higher leverage relievers away in J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. But it worked out. And Adamas is a plug-and-play everyday infielder, kind of the pulse of the clubhouse. Uh, batting average is not there, but certainly a dangerous hitter at the plate, and you have to be careful around him. So uh, it's a very short list. Uh, I think the result of this exercise is that it's a very short list of players acquired under David Stearns that have not worked. Typically, it works. Drew Pomeranz didn't know what to make of that at the time. He proved out to be a, an outstanding reliever for the Brewers. Ray Black was pretty good. Jordan Lyles made some key starts in relief appearances in 2019. Mike Moustakis, as I mentioned, Curtis Granderson, Soria, Telez, Adamas. It's a pretty good list, a pretty impressive list. So what does this year's trade market even look like? Who might be on the move? Who from the division is going to be on the move? And what makes sense for the Brewers? We'll take a look at that as we wrap up Brewers Weekly after this on WTMJ. Catch more Brewers Weekly coming up on WTMJ. Well, it should be a pretty fun series here coming up. Brewers on the road in Boston to take on the Red Sox. Game one of a three-game series begins uh, tomorrow night. So an off day in Boston for the crew. A choose-your-own-friends day, as Craig Council might call it. Well, you know, it, it, you look at the last series play, really the last homestand at American Family Field, and you think, okay, now his Brewers offense is starting to come alive. And, and that's the really tricky part, I think, here for general managers around the league. You know, what, what is a trend for the entire season? What sort of gets figured out as the season goes on? How good are you really? How good are the Brewers really on the offensive side of the ball? You know, you look at their team batting average, it's 11th out of 15 teams in the National League. You look at the number of runs scored, it's third best in the National League. They had an incredible homestand in terms of scoring, and that includes a game where they were shut out and only had four hits. They put up a remarkable total of runs, 25 in four games against the Rockies, and the Brewers only scored in three of those four games. And they scored 10 in the finale against Minnesota just yesterday. So it's been an impressive output of runs here for the Brewers, but is that who the Brewers are in truth? I, I can't help but feel they're not. I, they can take advantage of teams where the starting pitching just isn't that strong, or, or maybe they get to the depth of a team's pitching staff, and they face starters three, four, and five in a rotation. Maybe it's a spot start. Maybe it's a major league debut. Who knows? But I look what happened against Freeland and the Rockies. That dude was on. He was dealing, and the Brewers had no answers, just four singles. It was just a quiet day at the park. But that's the kind of pitching you see in the postseason, right? I mean, those are the guys you're going to run into. You're going to run into the best of the best. And maybe the next guy. And more than likely teams that reach the postseason, not every team, but most teams are going to have at least two high-quality starters that you'll have to contend with. It single-handedly shut the Brewers down in the postseason against the Braves a season ago. That offense had every opportunity to take advantage of the situations, and they just couldn't. They were just missing the ball. A lot of swings and misses. And it puts a lot of pressure on your pitching staff. So... The pitching staff, I think, is going to be fine. Freddie Peralta is a big deal in this whole equation. Uh, you know, we had the caller Mark. Uh, I'm sorry, we had the caller Josh mention that he's not real comfortable with with Ashby. Fine, uh, but you have to ask yourself this: What is Aaron Ashby going to be relied to do in the postseason? Relied upon to do anything? Does he start? Probably not. 
Is he a, a spot relief guy? Yeah, I could see that. Maybe the same for Eric Lauer. I mean, it's probably Burns, Woodruff, and hopefully Peralta. Those are the only three who need to start. That's it. You can probably go Lauer. You, you could go Ashby. I, I just think they more fall into that, that middle relief sort of position. Uh, and that's where I kind of want to go with the next part of the discussion here. What makes sense for the Brewers? Relievers are always in vogue. I get it. But I don't think you need to acquire a sixth-inning guy. I don't think you need to acquire a guy who can just sort of help you out in case the starter has a terrible night. Because in the postseason, that's going to be Eric Lauer or Aaron Ashby, maybe both of them. Who knows? Uh, Lauer did start against the Braves last season. But if you're going to try and find help, I think in the bullpen, you got to look to the back end of the bullpen. right? I think that's a guy like Joaquin Soria, who the Brewers acquired uh, a few years back, that was a perfect fit. Closers, experience, he could pitch the seventh, he could pitch the eighth, you could make him a matchup sort of nightmare. Uh, keep an eye on some of the moves here for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, they may have the best reliever on the market uh, on their team, and, and you could possibly see some movement there within the division. There's always a tax to be paid if you're going to trade within the division. You get that. So Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ, they're gone. They'll be traded from the Cubs. Uh, you've got several members of the Reds who I think will be on the move, including Luis Castillo. Uh, keep an eye on the back end of the bullpen for the Pirates. They've got some talent there, and I don't think that talent is going to stick through the rest of the season. Should be a fun ride here through the trade deadline and beyond as the Brewers look to fortify the roster. They will make moves. I, I promise you that. They will not just sand pad uh, with this team that is three games up on the Cardinals for first place. Out of time on tonight's program. We will be back again tomorrow. I will be back again tomorrow with Brewers Extra Innings. I'll be hosting the program following uh, the game against Boston, hopefully talking about another Brewers win here as they look to extend their lead in the division. Appreciate your time tonight. Enjoy the rest of your night on WTMJ.